Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 60. This episode is with the head of Academy Sports Science at Stoke City, Paul White. Paul recently did a uh, hosted a network meeting for us and presented on it as well. And when he'd done his presentation at the meeting, I knew I had to get him on the podcast to discuss some of the things he spoke about in the meeting, which we managed to cover in this episode. You're going to need a pen and paper for this one. There's loads of information in there. Um, I tried making plenty of notes throughout and run out run out of space on my paper. So um, get ready to make plenty of notes. But there's there's so much top information in his, this episode. Um, Paul goes on to cover his biggest academy achievement so far. He talks about the Stoke way um, and how that determines his practice. He goes into depth on uh, tactical periodization, how they use um, a variation of it and basically what it looks like day to day. He talks about intensive v extensive work. He also goes into depth on the weekly structure um, and how it works throughout the academy as well. So not just at the top level in terms of first team, but how it works throughout down the ages too. So like I said, there's loads of information in this episode. It was great for Paul to come on and talk about what he spoke about um, in the podcast. And I hope you take plenty from it. Please share the show. It was great to get some feedback on the last last episode with Steve Kaneem. Um, so if you could share this show, get it out to as many people as possible, it'd be really appreciative. And if you can as well, take two minutes, head over to iTunes and leave us a review. I won't take up, take up any more of your time. I know you want to hear Paul speak. So here is the episode with Paul. Welcome to episode 60 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. Today, I'm joined by Paul White. Paul is the head of Academy Sports Science at Stoke City. He's also a recent network meeting host and presenter um, over at Stoke just before Christmas. Paul, thanks a lot for coming on and catching up. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. I thought when we were doing the meeting, we had to get you on the podcast on all the content we were going into. So I know we're going to touch quite a bit of that stuff today and um, touch on quite a bit of that stuff today but I really appreciate you coming on and giving up your time mate I know it's your day off no problem no problem at all glad to do it so kick us off mate let's go um, back let's go back into your career so far so where you started and what's taken you up to um, your current role at Stoke yeah um, well basically I'm old I've been in professional football 18 years now pushing on that Um Originally started when I finished university doing a sports science degree. I went to teaching first at a college. Um, got me post sixteen certificate of education there. So started teaching uh, down in a college in uh, Hampshire, uh, Brockenhurst. Uh, lucky enough at the time, AFC Bournemouth was starting up their uh, centre of excellence and their youth team. Um, met the head of uh, the head coach there, Joe Roach, who's still there now. I think he's the academy manager, academy director. Uh, and got involved doing some part-time coaching in the 30s and 14s whilst teaching. Um, did that for five years, six years, I think. Um, met a guy there called Mark Kelly who went to Portsmouth um, as academy director and then ended up getting a full-time job at um, Portsmouth Football Club, I think, 2007, 2008. Uh, I was there for about just under three years, um, obviously the club went into administration and part away, basically part away through that. I uh, went back to teaching and back to part-time um, coaching. 
I did a little bit of fitness work with AC Bournemouth uh, then. Uh, and it was while I was at Portsmouth, I met a chap called Dave Wright, uh, who moved to Stoke City. And at the start of the old EPP uh, and the structures in place there, he invited me up to be, as it was then, the title head of sports science and medicine. Uh, and obviously my title's changed since then, but ultimately it's the start of the EPP to put um, a programme and a structure in place for the, um, the football club to get uh, category one. It's quite pleasing because we managed to do that in under six months in terms of putting staffing in place. Oh, we might talk a little bit later about the number of staff we've got in place now, but when I first started with just me and one physio, that was sports science and medicine for the academy, plus some part-time physio. So uh, that's a quick snapshot in terms of where I've been over the last uh, 15 years, 16 years or so, uh, higher education and, and now moving into full-time football. Yeah, that's great. And obviously, we came over just before Christmas and saw the setup over there, and it's it's quality and some top work going on. But do you want to touch on um, what it was like when you first went into the club and what the program looked like, and then also go into your biggest achievements at the academy so far? Um, yeah, so literally when I first started, um, there was a full time physio, uh, there was a full time rehabilitator in the academy. And- and myself so the first thing was to obviously there was set set criteria set jobs that the um, Premier League wanted so we had to recruit um, match analysis at that time came under me now sits under um, coaching as the department's got bigger and bigger and bigger um, so we recruited an S&C coach match analysis so all, all the manager roles that they wanted us to do uh, and we had to do that pretty quickly um, we were getting audited I think after Christmas time, I think they audit for Christmas Easter time. So we had a lot of work to do quite quickly. Um, so if you like, in terms of achievements, the first big achievement was getting that because that's ultimately what I was tasked to do. Um, I think further achievements since then are hopefully creating a, a department with some really good staff. Um, like the, if you like, the head of departments or the line managers, it is really only as good as his staff. And I think we've got some fantastic uh, staff passionate about their their role you want your SNC coach to be passionate 100% about SNC and your sports scientist and some of the sort of geeky conversations that happen in the office it, it's fantastic um, then conversations don't go out of the office they turn into football language which we might talk, uh, talk on for a bit later but the biggest achievements is setting up that structure for enhanced player development um, don't think there's a lot of academy. I think when I first started, the last academy player to come through might have been Andy Wilkinson, which was a long time. Um, and more recently, in the last three or four years, we've had numerous players uh, getting loan moves, full-time loan moves, uh, and playing for our first team. Uh, we've now got, I think, in our first current first team, five academy graduates, and then we've got a couple of 23s that obviously further support that. So ultimately, we're there to produce footballers for. Stoke City and football community. So we basically want to get people jobs as footballers. So the biggest achievement is getting players a job, ultimately. That's what you paid to do. Yeah, definitely. And with that, was that one of the main aims when you first went into the club was obviously obviously to grow the department and to grow the team and um, develop all the different aspects of that? Because I know you touched on it at our meeting, the different um, people that make up your team now in terms of S&C, psychology, nutrition, sports, science. Was it was that the, 
one of the main aims to get bodies in um, initially. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, that yes, certainly. Just put a, a basic structure in place. Um, I think you know the the EPP, if you like, has some good things, and people say good things and bad things about it. I quite like it because it's actually, I think, made the industry a lot better and, and made stock football clubs just getting a jack of all trades person. When I first started at Portsmouth, I was the academy fitness coach. And I did everything from 18s all the way down to nines. And you're just basically spreading yourself so thin. And I really, really like the fact that, you know, I own the category one and the, the, the way it's structured in terms of it's now you, you actually employ specialisms. So my SNC coach, for me, should have a greater depth of knowledge of SNC than me because I'm, if you're, I'm paying him or we're paying him to be the expert in the gym. And I'll dip in and out of the gym. And for me, my role is like his line managers to support him and the same with the nutrition the psychologist the sports scientist that works 12 to 16 Jordan like yes I've got I feel I've got a good knowledge of all those areas but I, I dip in and out of each area so ultimately the expertise I, I think is really really important and then having that for me trusting my staff to go yep you're the expert in that we'll have conversations and for me then it's the work that we do is guided through their knowledge and principles and the philosophies we've got as a football club so we my job is basically to make sure we follow a structure but use their knowledge to answer players in whatever area it is so whether SNC nutrition side or from a sports science perspective really yeah it's, it's so the team can all tie in together and understand each other's role isn't it but it's an interesting discussion in terms of like specialism because we've had a few people touch on that before and uh, like it makes complete sense when you say that that's an area that people can really sort of focus in on, can't they? And they can get really solid, solid at that area in terms of whether it's S and C, psychology, nutrition, whatever it is. But then, in your role as well, you do need the understanding of all of it, don't you? So when practitioners are coming through now and they're specialists in one area, would it be, would you still encourage to go and sort of understand the other areas, study the other areas, so they could potentially end up in a role similar to yours in the future? Yeah, yeah. So if, ultimately, everyone needs to I'll touch on it a little bit. But everyone, the thing that we plan first is the football. Everyone's there to produce footballers, so we have to plan the football session first. So the S and C coach, the psych, the nutrition, the sports scientist need an understanding of what that football session looks like, because then. It's like dropping a stone into a pool of water. The ripple effect is then everyone can go and plan their little section. So it's not just having an S&C coach that's got no appreciation for the grass or the psychologist has got no appreciation for the grass or the sports scientist just does their warm-up and then stands and watches the training. And then it's a Tuesday, so we do some running and the, the sports scientist finishes with 20 minutes of running. That's for me, is not a way to work. And I encourage all my staff that they should dipping in and out so the S&C coach predominantly based in the gym but there's nothing to stop him coming out and watch training understand what players do to see him on the pitch and otherwise he's just a gym guy that just sees dumbbells and barbells and ultimately he doesn't see people and footballers out in their natural environment so I think, I think it's really really key yes you want specialisms but they've just got to have a, a little bit of an appreciation or ultimately the end goal is football and a bit of appreciation of other other areas but having that uh, geeky drive to be the best psychologist, the best nutritionist, the best sports scientist, and also sports scientists got different, um, whether that's more data side or field-based practitioners, whatever they, their passion is, you just want to bring that passion but ultimately understand what is the main goal. 
and that's beautiful footballers. Yeah, definitely. And do you want to touch on? I know, I know you went into detail at the meeting, but you talked about the Stoke way. Um, and the pre- previous episode before this one, um, we had Steve Canoon on from Hibs, and he spoke about the Hibs way. So it, it works quite well in terms of timing. But do you want to touch on um, the Stoke way, the sort of philosophies behind that, and that how that affects your practice? Yeah, so we've got a, if you like, if I mentioned sort of the, the training philosophy, and it was really the, the, the philosophy and the way we work from an academy perspective was, I must give, you know, I mentioned a huge credit for Damien Rodin, who came under, in under Mark Hughes, and that was, if you like, a, a club philosophy by then in terms of from the first team all the way down, and it's we, we've kept it with the academy, so um, this is not, if you like, uh, my weights, obviously, when, when Damien came in, my, my role was to actually implement the, um, the method all the way through. So we had, uh, if we had players transitioning across age groups, then there was a smooth transition ultimately. But um, the, if you like, the Stoke way is, we, we want basically every player fit for selection for every game where possible. From a coaching perspective, it's a high dynamic uh, playing style in terms of pressing, counter-attacking, driving, whatever it is. And from an academy perspective is that making sure them players, as they move across the age groups, they're small steps, so they've not got an under-14s coach working different from the 15s, that's different from the 16s, that then there's a big jump because it's now 18s, excuse me, 18s football and it's full-time. But it's to make sure that we have a, a nice transition across. And that's, if you like, the sports science philosophy is basically the training model and the coaching philosophy is all interlinked. It's not sports science, you do the running and the gym and all that sort of stuff, it's basically trying to structure football so the coach can coach what he wants, but providing some guidelines in terms of maybe some timings, maybe some pitch sizes, uh, and, and making sure that basically by getting from Monday to Friday, if we've got a squad of 20, ideally we've got 20 players available for the coach to pick on Saturday. And ultimately, the ideal plan would be having those that small group of players that are really annoyed that they're not in the squad and they've got to train probably before the game or after the game. That ultimately that that happens in football. But if you get to that position, you're doing your job because you've managed to get everyone from the start of the week uh, to the end of the week on the coach and pick whoever he wants as opposed to I can't have this player, I can't have that player, he's got a niggle. That's that's where we try and we, we try and avoid really. Um in terms of sort of the how we work is it's um if you like we basically use a version based off Raymond Vahian. Uh is a big influence of myself. We have quite a few courses and quite like a really, really like a lot of the work. I like a lot of his principles in terms of um, standards he expects players and staff. Uh, I think they're really, really good. Uh, we, we expect high standards of players, um, but sometimes our standards of staff, we've got to make sure they're equally as high, return up on time. Um, making sure we're organised and planned, all that sort of stuff. I think that's really, really important in the, the, the course I've been on and the um, workshops I've been on have been fantastic. And his periodization model, uh, we've got a version of that which we've we've used now for, I'd say, seven years, I think, within the academy. Um, and it's filtered all the way down in uh, a watered-down version for the younger age, which is 13, the 14, the 12, etc. Uh, but I, I think it's been... Really, really good in allowing players transition from 16s to 18s, 18s to 23s, 18s into the first team and stuff like that. I think it's been really, really good. And how easy was that to implement, Paul? I know we can touch on 
Um, something we wanted to go into was like weekly structure and sort of rationales behind the weekly structure and how you've taught the tactical periodization and uh, where you said you're using a, a version of it. We can go into a little bit more detail if that's okay with you on how you guys use it. But how easy was it to implement and how long did it take to implement and get um, into the club? Um, to be honest, I, uh, I tried it the, the season before. Um, I think the manager then would have been Tony Pulis, but I tried it the season before uh, within the academy, having gone on, um, done a, a mentorship through through Raymond, which was a long time ago now, based at Wolverhampton. Um, and I limited success in pre-season, tried it and it, it sort of faded away. And obviously with the influence of um, change of manager and Damien coming in, it was like, right, well, this is the way that the club wanted to go. And it was my job to make sure uh, that it was implemented further down. So that was easier because it was like a club philosophy as opposed to my idea. Um, so that since then it's been, yeah, it's been implemented across all age groups and the buying is really, really good. Um, the good thing about it, I think, is anything that a coach wants to do, it allows them to do it. So we try not to say you can't do this, you can't do that. Coaches all want to do defending, attacking, shooting, crossing and finishing. They want possession, they want tactical work. Um, so we, we, we make sure that they've got plenty of options to do that try and structure it throughout the week uh, so that there's we can optimise if you like the quality of the training and to make sure that we're not risking players getting injured in which case we're losing potentially players uh, to be available at the, at the weekend for the game uh, which is arguably the most important time in which people are making judgments whether that's you know, in terms of moving up age groups or 18s, 23s going out on long we want them to perform optimally when, when it matters which is, is game day uh, in terms of uh, so we go through in terms of like the, the structure throughout the week then in terms of the, the session formats and things like that yeah I think that'd be great like breaking it down from um, similar to what you did at the meeting breaking it down into the, the days and sort of rationale behind that as well yeah, yeah cool so a, a typical session for us is uh, between 75 minutes to two hours if you like for the for the starters um, most sessions would have like five activities uh, so warm-up technical work, a um, couple of tactical aspects within there, and then some form of tactical games. Uh, as a rough rule, some some days might only have four, depending on what the coach requires. Uh, but as a rough rule, it's you know we train for seventy-five minutes minimum, uh, and that's planned time so that we obviously lose a bit of time from moving in in between, say a warm-up to a technical drill and, and all that sort of stuff. But in terms of work time, seventy-five minutes to like two hours max yeah, we won't go any longer than that um, we roughly have four sessions a week there's a light tactical session which tends to be our first session back um, a tactical conditioning session a moderate tactical session and a match prep session so if we're playing on a Saturday for example light tactical would be Monday tactical conditioning would be Tuesday moderate tactical Thursday and then your match prep on the Friday uh, Wednesday being off like this today for me so that will be our normal structure um, in terms of the intensity, obviously, Monday light, Tuesday hard, with a, a, a big influence on the physical con condition side, uh, Thursday moderate, and then Friday light, a, a, a pretty standard within football. Um, so that's our, if you like, the, the, the top layer of that now. So within within each of those days then, so in terms of warm-up, technical work, tactical work, um, we really just have a couple of key words which, which we use. So we would discuss whether it's extensive, um, intensive, overload and underload. And I always spoke about it earlier about the language. There are 
if you like, our four key words. So um, in terms of whether a warm-up, for example, a warm-up is mobility-based, uh, extensive in nature. Technical work would be extensive. Um, tactical work would be in an underload format. Um, on a Monday, for example. And that would really be because if the, the lads play on a, a Saturday, uh, it's going to be a Sunday day off, and then Monday will be our first first session back. We won't use anything like second day recovery, anything like that. Coaches think it sends the wrong message to the players. Coaches don't like it. It's a working day, if you like, but we structure it so that the players are generally turning up with a little bit stiff, a little bit achy, uh, drums. Um, they've had a day off and might have done something that are not. But it's basically about restarting, restarting the engine, getting the coordination going. Uh, and for, if we, if you know that lads are coming in on the first day back with a bit achy, a bit stiff, trying to get them going again, then we structure the training so that it allows them to do that. So things aren't massively complicated. It's in big areas. We, we're trying to get them moving, but we're allowing the coach to coach. Um, the only thing I said we don't say stop coaches doing anything, but we wouldn't really advise, if you like, traditional shooting on a Monday from that perspective in terms of making sure we protect going into quads, etc. But we certainly do, you know, the coach might do a bit of finishing or we, we have our extras some days at the end of sessions, like individual prep type work. Uh, we would certainly do finishing side foot heads um, and different types of finishing, not potentially like your traditional has been in the past British sort of in, in back set and repeated quads uh, striking. But that will be our with Monday. Um, if we if that goes all well, generally does. Then on Tuesday, the lads should come in with um, rejuvenated a bit of a bit more freshness. You can generally tell there's, there's a little bit more banter, a little bit more noise in the dressing room and in the in the prevention sessions we do before and in the warm pick section. So if we know we've got that right from Monday, coaches caught loads of tactical stuff. Um, on Tuesday we'll have a more intensive session. So our warm up would be intensive, so it's more uh, more sharper, less uh, rest breaks. Uh, our passing drills or our technical work would be in smaller, tighter areas. Uh, our tactical work would have a, a, a more of an intensive focus. And the bulk of the tactical work would be done through a variety of games. So whether it's big games, medium games or small games. But the, the bulk of the tactical work would be training the players to how the coach wants to play. Through either 11-11s to uh, 8-8s, uh, 7-7s to 6-6 or 4-4s, uh, but it's a, it's not just a one like one two three. You put three bibs on one two three. You put, put three ribs on or one two three four five six seven eight. That's your team of eight. It's structured so that it's not just a five aside. It's always there's always a tactical theme to that, and I think that's the most. I think that's the, the biggest benefit of that is it's. We don't do masses of uh, isolated running. We will do. We try and get as much of the conditioning through tactical football, so through playing football how the coach wants to play football. Uh, if that doesn't work out, then obviously we've got set running drills and things we can do if we don't think the players are applying themselves. But it's very rare, to be fair. Um, so that will be our normal Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday be off. Um, if, now, if you do that, and the lads have got Wednesday off, they're coming to Thursday, you'd hope there's a little bit of stiffness in there. So they've had a good condition hit on Tuesday. They should have done gym in the afternoon as well. They should come in a little bit stiff, maybe around their glutes, hamstrings, etc. depending on the type of session. Um, so Thursday really follows very, very similar to Monday, but there's more focus towards like, the match preparation for Saturday. So it's a moderate intensity. So the warm-up will go back to 
extensive, mobility-based, getting them moving again. Again, they've had a day off. Uh, the technical work will be extensive again. Um, any tactical work, um, we'll give the coach free reign in terms of from that perspective. Uh, maybe some sort of guidelines in terms of um, if it was a big area on Tuesday, then we might suggest, if possible, can they do it in a small area so it's a little bit more intensive, but ultimately coaches want to coach. So that will be some uh, very, very brief guidelines. And then if we'd finish with tactical games on Thursday, but in underload format, which will be later the difference between overload and underload, but underload format. So that will be our Thursday. Uh, and then if you get that right, hopefully, that from that point, any stiffness that we did have on Thursday is gone by Friday. Friday is a real uh, sharp, intense, um, fun, bright uh, type of session uh, in terms of from a warm-up perspective, any possessions or boxes that they're doing, any tactical work um, tends to be extensive, so that would encourage you know, your, your patterns, your match prep type work, extensive. Uh, and any games that we finish with, again, would be in underlong format. Um, it's a piece of uh, like the players to make sure they have a game log for the day before the game, and then all goes well, hopefully, <laughs> and uh, game day on Saturday. So that's how we would structure it on a typical, if you like, Saturday, Saturday week, obviously, uh, from a 23s perspective. There's versions that are different of that. A lot of our games are on Monday. We might not play for two weeks and then play Monday, Friday, um, which then obviously the week changes around. Uh, 18 is pretty standard. 16 is pretty standard. 15s tend to play a lot of their games Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So we basically just move those four sessions around with those four principles and we'll just structure them in a way um, to best make sure that the players have, if you like, recovered. The coaches can coach. We have some sort of physical stimulus and we're ready to go for the game. Uh, but in terms of a Saturday, Saturday week for our 18, that's how we structure it. I hope you're enjoying the episode with Paul so far. And like I said, there are there is plenty of information in this episode, so I hope you're keeping up with everything and uh, making plenty of notes along the way. But I just wanted to give you a little heads up on um, some community updates. So I, I referenced a few times in the uh, podcast with Paul, his presentation at our Stoke meeting. You can get access to that. I know he goes into a lot of depth in this podcast, but he goes into even more on that presentation. There is video with it as well, um, with a with a presentation, a PowerPoint presentation. So um, anything you're not quite sure of, um, you can go over to footballfitfed.com, click on the community tab at the top. And you can get a free month by signing up to the community there. And it is only $4.99 after that. There's also, we have now loaded the discount um, the discount code for our upcoming Colchester Network meeting on Wednesday, the 19th of February. So if you are a community member already and you're going to be coming to the Colchester meeting, make sure when you get your ticket, you go, go over to the community um, and get the code off there when you're purchasing your ticket. Anyone that's not a member so far and you are going to come to Colchester, sign up. You can get a free month on there. You can go and get the, the community code off there um, and then use that when you're getting your ticket. It'd be great to see as many of you guys as there as possible. We've got coaches already booked onto it, but there are plenty of spaces left. Um, we're a few weeks away yet, so it'll be good to see as many of you there as we can and get some good discussions going. Um, we've got Perry and Kamal um, presenting for us from the first team and the academy at Colchester discussing the different perspectives um, and challenges from a first team and an academy point of view in League 2 so I'm really looking forward to going over and, um, and seeing those guys and seeing what they're up to 
I hope you're enjoying the episode so far and you take plenty from, from part two um, and let us know what your biggest takeaways are from the episode with Paul. So here's the rest of the episode. You took the words out of my mouth, mate, because I was about to ask you how it would change um, and what, what sort of considerations you um, need to take in when, the, when a game um, or extra games pop up. So yeah. not just necessarily from the first team point of view, but, but the other ages. So you've touched on it there. Um, but what about multiple game weeks or where you, where you potentially got Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday? Yeah, so if we went, um, the condition def- basically what we try and do is split the squad in half. So you'd have, you're basically having, if you're going Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, um, you're basically trying to wrap up, bubble wrap, wrap up your players that are going to play while giving you additional stimulus to your subs and your unused players. Um, so that, if you like, that window would, would go out of there. If you're playing on a Saturday, um, obviously I've never worked in a first-team environment, but I'd be inclined, depending on where the game is, coming on a Sunday um, to do a recovery session for the starters, uh, some sort of top-up session for your, for your subs, which means then uh, Monday is your match prep session, Tuesday play game, probably got Wednesday off, because otherwise you end up being in for seven, like 10 days non-stop. Um, Thursday is, if you're playing on Tuesday and Thursday, is again a restart session. The starters. Uh, so whether we haven't had in the past, like sort of start, split everything from the start. So you, you, you start as do a separate warm up because that should be you know if you if you're working at you know you, you're working at the top level, you're working at Category One Academy or a, a professional football club, then we really got to make sure that the individual player gets what they need. So warm ups, passing drills, etc. For ideally, if they can be split, brilliant. Then they come together where the coach can coach. Uh, you might then send your starters in. Um, on the Thursday and then you finish with probably some form of underworld small side of games because it's a small number or medium sized games uh, for your subs and non-starters and then Friday would be everyone back to normal um, from a 23's perspective because a lot of our games on a Monday we end up with just Sundays a match prep session um, and I'm not always I don't think one day's prep is ideally always the best but in terms of the fixes for the 23's and making sure that you've got a structure in place that follows this and still allows contact with the first team, making sure that if the gaffer wants them, he can, we're in and, and they can go over and train. Um, it's sometimes a bit a bit difficult. So our 23s potentially might be Monday game, um, Tuesday off, and then we'd work light tactical on Wednesday, uh, moderate tactical Thursday, we'd condition on Friday, off Saturday and Sunday. Um, that allows... Do like greater rain of our players to be in and around the first team. Uh, sometimes the Tuesday and the Wednesday change, we might be on the Tuesday off on the Wednesday, but making sure that we've we're following the format but allowing the players, you know, ultimately they want to want to play for our first team and have a, a career. So we've got to be when the first team in. So that's uh, the, the challenge of all 23s, I think, in the country, if I'm honest. No, that's class. I think there's loads of detail in there about um, how coaches could sort of implement this into their practice I think the, the details in terms of the days and how you guys go about it is, is quality um, but if we move it on to and I know you mentioned before about sort of language and the way you speak um, and, it, and the sort of environments that you use different language in so and I think a phrase you used in our meeting was talking about sports science or talking about football so do you want to just expand on that and what you mean by that yeah so um 
like I said at the start, you want people that are passionate about their role. So you want your nutritionists to be really passionate about nutrition and understand all the you know, all the sports science and all the detail and uh, sports science language. You're using maths and we're talking about lactic this and that. That's exciting in the office and from the S&C and sports science and psychology and understanding that. That's, that's fantastic in the office. But ultimately, in my experience, as coaches don't give a monkeys. But we need to, it's a football club, so we need to talk their language. So we need to make sure that they understand what we're, when we're communicating things over, they understand that. So our language that we use, and um, this is where the work of Joe Dixon's been really good with the head of coaching at Stoke for the academy, making sure there's a coach's language that they use, but also we, we dip, dip into that. So our main four things that we would say would be, for example, like I mentioned before, so you've got extensive and intensive. So if we're saying, can we have an extensive passing drill that the coaches understand that? And for those that are not sure, extensive just means big. So can we have a bigger area passing drill? Intensive... Um, Describe it more shorter and sharper, but basically you're making the area smaller. So if you're working with players with less uh, time and space for players to make decisions, uh, it's just making sure that the coach, when we're saying that, that they understand that. And same from the overload and underload. So if we're overloading something, we're, we're trying to stretch the player. So on a Tuesday, we're, we're trying to overload the player um, to be play football at higher tempo for longer. And then underload, if we're saying, can we? will underload uh, this session. It's basically a maintenance session. So underload is 50% of what we would do if we're going to have a conditioning hit. So say, for example, on a Tuesday, we're going to do uh, four blocks of 12 minutes, 11 v 11, uh, which we've recently done. So we play 11 v 11 and four blocks of 12 minutes. Uh, really intense session, like from a sports science, geeky perspective, GPS numbers are through the roof. Uh, we've hopefully got the lads fit playing how the coach wants to play. Uh, underload if the coach said I want to coach uh, say that was on the Tuesday for example and on the Thursday saying I need to offer some more tactical stuff I'm going to do 11 to 11 again then we would advise to go okay let's do it in underload format um, which would be 50% of of the 412s so we'd recommend from a sports science perspective why don't we try four blocks of six minutes or two blocks of 12 um, in order for the coach to go and coach whatever he wanted to do and that would mean that 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 session wouldn't turn into a fitness session. There's some parameters there, and it's more of a fitness maintenance. Uh, and then the experience using this method, it's been good in allowing plenty of time for coaches to go and coach what they want to do. But um, also make sure that players aren't stretched or sessions get a bit carried away, like, sort of like closer to the, uh, as we get a bit nearer to the game, basically. Uh, so they would be the four, like the four key words and languages that we would use if you like, from a sports science perspective, working with our um, our coaches. Um, in terms of, for example, if we're working with players that are not with the squad for whatever reason, either through injury um, or just not um, with, with the coaches for that period of time, then this is some of, some of the work that we've, we've looked at in terms of the language that we use with the player. So in terms of making sure that if I'm working with a player, maybe it's a late stage rehab session, whatever it may be, is having some clear aims. So making sure that we communicate the, the point of that of that session. So if we're working with a player that's not with a squad, we will classify the session as either a quality session or a quantity session. So it's a quality session. We're trying to get 
that player better at something, which would generally be sort of the first session of the week, say Monday, for example. It's a quality session. I'm working with them. We're trying to get them better at whatever they've had an injury. So maybe they've had a hamstring injury or groin injury and they're just doing a later stage rehab. Whatever they do, it's about making sure the quality of what they do is increased. And then the following day, we would go for a quantity format and we would overload what we've just done the day before. But from a communication perspective, quality days, there's lots of encouragement. Come on, we can do better. Come on, have another go. If it's a quantity day, our language changes and it should be more about challenging the player. So putting them in stressful situations where maybe they've got a pass into a smaller goal or whatever it may be, but we're challenging the player. Come on, that needs to be better. And we're more demanding and the, the tone in our... Um, the tone of our language, what we say and how we say it completely changes from a quality day to a quantity day. Um, from a confidence perspective, and this is something Joe's been really good and Jen, our, our psychologist, is if it's a quality day, then we're trying to build the player's confidence to do that. So, twisted ankle, so we're doing some putting, some turning and maybe some crossing. So we're trying to build the player's confidence to do that exercise. And if we get that and we get through that and then the next day it's a quantity day, we're trying to build upon that confidence. We're trying to overload that exercise. So we've, we've created the confidence. We're now trying to enhance it. And again, our tone, our language should change. And then finally, if like the three C's, uh, is the control. So the player can control the quality of the action that they do. So if it's a quality day, they can control how good they're going to pass. They're in charge of their body. And then the quantity aspect, they're in control of their effort and application. And therefore, staff's language, if it's a quality day or quantity day, can change. And we then have got real clear guidelines in terms of what the player needs to do. The player understands fully what they need to do. And ultimately, the player understands that they are in charge of that. And then all we're doing is using our, our communication skills to enhance the player, uh, getting better at football. Um, but that's how some of the, the languages we would use um, that we've implemented. And I think it's it's something we've done recently on CPD and I think it's moving in the right direction. It's not 100% certainly, but we're, we're certainly moving in the right direction in terms of the, the difference in language between the certain days uh, that we have if we're working with players that are not in a team setting for whatever reason. Yeah, I think that's great. To be honest, I'm glad you touched on that because that was one of my biggest takeaways from the, the evening we spent with you guys. Was the, I, I think it's, it's, it sounds like a real simple approach, but it makes so much sense for the player, doesn't it, that you can literally drop either quality or quantity and they know straight away what the session is going to be and the sort of the benefits and the point of the session I think it's a real clear gives a real clear um, aim of what you were trying to do doesn't it yeah and again it's it's, it's all linked in off the you know but, uh, the, the, some of the courses I've been on with Raymond is the, the, the thing I like about him is he, he talks about objective references and subjective references now whether you believe that objective or the, you believe they're his opinion it, it doesn't really matter what I think he's really good at is setting in principles and once you understand the principles there's there's knock on effect so try, rather than trying to learn loads of stuff or this session needs to be this and it needs to be that and it needs to be this if you understand the principle that the first day back from a stoke perspective is a light tactical day and you understand that each session has each session has five activities and you understand extensive intensive overload underload like everything else falls into place. So you're not having to remember loads and loads of stuff. You just remember it's a principle that this is what we do on a Monday and it, it falls through. And it's the same with the quality and the quantity. So if you know it's a quality day, then you know quality in the back of your head, communication, confidence, control, 
and you're acting a certain way. You're not having to remember loads of information, but you remember the principles. It's like going back to university when I was like you're studying and you're trying to remember certain things and you have big mind maps and all like clouds and you're trying to we've got that much information to remember that ultimately one of the ways I I, I like to revise is that you create ways of remembering things and that's ultimately what I've learned through going on the course and being heavily influenced through gaming and, and um, working with coaches and, and Joe at Stoke but that's the best way in which I think people can remember what to do without remembering too much information if that makes sense yeah definitely it definitely does and I think that coaching can take plenty away from that and I think sometimes it is so important to get that language right with coaches but also with players and it, I, I think it's one thing I've seen that um, co- some coaches haven't done as well is that they're not explaining and not obviously the science behind it and all that sort of stuff but they're not explaining to players what, what they're doing and why they're doing it and then you don't necessarily get as much buy-in whereas this language is really important isn't it on how we communicate with them and it gives them the reason the rationale behind it straight away yeah 100% 100% I think that's it's you know that, that's just the language we have at, 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 uh, within the academy at Stoke but other clubs you know they create their own little keywords and buzzwords but I just think it's important because it, it stops the water getting muddy in terms of oh you said that oh, oh no well, I meant this but if you've got a couple of key things that is easy to communicate then it helps the planning the sessions and then also if the sessions are planned the players uh, get better and enhanced because the session's planned and everyone knows where they're going yeah definitely I think there might be a, a few people wanting to um, get in touch ask a few questions Paul so is there anywhere in particular that they can do that uh, yeah they can do I'm, um, I'm on Twitter I don't do a great deal if I'm honest um, let me just try and find it for you now. I think I have to put it in. Um, my handle is at chalk two thousand and one UK. They can find yeah. me on. That, but I'm not. I'm not massive on Twitter, and I am on LinkedIn. I think you know, like everybody else, you can just type in Paul White. I think I'll come up somewhere. But yeah, that's probably the best two best two ways. I think. Plus, that's awesome, mate. Well, I think there was some top information in there. So thanks a lot. For- coming on and sharing that I knew it was going to be an insightful episode and I'm sure people have taken a lot from it I know I have um, so I really appreciate you coming on mate and giving up your time no problem thank you very much Ben cheers mate thank you cheers Paul cheers thanks mate Ciao. thanks a lot for listening to the podcast I hope you took plenty from the episode like I did um, big thanks to Paul for coming on on his day off um, you can go and follow him on Twitter he's at chalk C-H-A-L-K 2001 UK so go and give him a follow um, the, the takeaways for me I, I mean there was loads it follows on from the network meeting where I already, already took loads away from that but some of the ones that stood out from the podcast he, he spoke about tactical periodization, allowing coaches to do what they want so I think that was quite a key statement and he went into detail in the podcast what he actually meant by that he spoke about like recovery days not being days off, but how training was structured with recovery in mind, um, taking into account the type types of finishing that they were doing. So not allowing shooting, but allowing finishing like cutbacks, things like that, um, to try and take the load off the legs. He also, uh, for me, another one was the Friday sessions being fun and bright in preparation for a game. 
And then the biggest one, like I said in the episode, was the language that he used to coaches and players. But for me, more players, the quality v quantity phrase that he used, um, the quality side of it, getting players better at something, I think it's a really easy way of getting players to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it in that session. And then the, the, the quantity side of it in terms of overload. So once you've practiced the skill, it's then overloading it and doing it over and over again. And I think that was really clear to me. Um, and I hope that made sense to you guys as well. And, and Paul spoke in the, in the podcast, but also when we were speaking offline as well, about the importance of understanding that this is what the way they do it at Stoke. It's not necessarily the way that every club should do it. Um, but you've just got to try and understand the, the principles uh, that they're using and the language that yeah, they're using to get everybody on the same page. So I think that was really important. So I hope you enjoyed the episode with Paul and please let us know what you think. Please share the show, like I said at the start. And I just want to say a big thank you to everyone for getting in touch about the last episode with Steve, um, episode 59. There was loads of great comments and feedback on it. I really, really do appreciate it. I know Steve had some comments as well. I think he even had some fans getting in touch with him from Hibernian, um, letting him know what they thought of it. Um, So yeah, big thank you. It's always nice to hear that you're taking plenty from the episodes. So please get in touch and let us know what you're thinking of the episodes. Um, and if you could do a huge favor and le- and put those comments on iTunes as it really does help us grow the show and get it out to more practitioners. And then also just a final thank you for everyone who got in touch on Twitter. We put a tweet out asking for recommendations of guests on certain subjects and loads of people get- got in touch. And I will be following up with with those guests that you have recommended and hopefully getting them on the podcast as soon as possible. And we've got some great shows lined up as well over the next few weeks, some really big names um, in the industry from all different areas, um, from psychology, sports science, like research, strength conditioning. So I'm really excited at what the 2020 brings for the podcast. But if you do have any recommendations on um, subjects or guests, anything at all, Please don't hesitate, get in touch. I'm always open to hearing new ideas, new names, new subjects, and um, we'll look into it and try and bring you guys what you want to hear. So thank you again for listening. Please share the show and we'll speak to you again next week.